3: our thoughts on this wide receiver rookie class after six weeks and much, much more on this edition of Road to Overtime. Now let's kick it off. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to roto Overtime on roto Radio, brought to you by my bookie. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, the co-owner of roto Radio, uh, Mr. Zero RB, Sean Siegel. Sean, week six in the books. Uh, I'll let you go first. How was your week six? Because I don't want to start this show off on a, on a negative tone, and that's what my week six might do to the folks uh, listening out there.
2: Well, it was, it was another exciting week. Obviously, we got two more touchdowns from... Heather Boyd, and we will get to that a little more at the end of the show. But yeah, we we saw that there are a few constants in the NFL. The Rams obviously are awesome. Good luck dealing with them. Patrick Mahomes to Tyreek Hill is the most exciting passing connection we've seen in the league in a long time. And the Browns will play their least talented running back the most snaps. Those are the constants. Everything else follows the tenets of any given Sunday, as we saw with the Jaguars, Cowboys. Uh, Miami with Brock Osweiler surprisingly leading the charge and even the 49ers battling last night they uh, really should have won that one had perhaps they not gotten conservative in the fourth quarter although uh, maybe we need to give the Packers a little bit of credit for stepping up on the defense what did you see in week six
3: yeah I I pretty much agree with everything you said there and thankfully for the Packers uh, they they did etch that one out last night always uh, good to get a W there that was about the only good thing that went my way uh, in week uh, six it was a lot of different ups and downs but overall went up against a, a couple of buzz saws that uh, cost me in my leagues i mentioned last week week five was uh, pretty much uh, glorious uh, winds coming everywhere this week not so much kind of the flip and the reverse but when you look around the nfl you mentioned you know patrick mahomes and i've mentioned this on a couple of different occasions Tyreek Hill. i don't know if i've ever seen a player on the field look like he is moving as fast as Tyreek Hill. just it just looks like he's just running at a different speed to anybody else. Even the fastest players in the NFL, he still looks like he's running a hell of a lot faster. I uh, thought it was an impressive performance by the, the Chiefs, and I thought it was a very impressive performance by the Patriots to get a win. You know, people were talking about was this the, the turning point for the Chiefs? It makes it very interesting now as the season goes on, you know, were they going to overtake the Patriots? I still think they're likely the better uh, offense compared to the Patriots, but I thought they did enough uh you know and that one to impress me even though they lost it's a young quarterback going to Foxborough is never uh, an easy thing to do and uh, I was impressed overall by them but throughout the the weekend there was kind of a lot of different players getting injuries and banged up and it wasn't just uh, my favorite week of the NFL season but the good thing about uh, the NFL is it comes thick and fast and happens so so quickly that we uh, have to reevaluate everything so Uh, I think uh, we'll start getting looking ahead to to week seven, and that'll put things in a brighter perspective. So, Sean, let's get into the second quarter.
2: In the second quarter here, we are looking, again, at expected points. Blair Andrews has a great article up on the site looking at this. uh, Record breakers, potential busts, and under-the-radar performance. And, again, for listeners, expected points – are the fantasy points that you would expect based on a player's volume, adjusting for the down distance situation and the location on the field, giving you a sense of how valuable those specific touches are worth. Burr points out that Todd Gurley leads the league in total expected points, and he's up in some pretty rarefied air. The list of players with more expected points through six weeks since 2000 is very very short. We just have Priest Holmes in 2002 and Jamal Charles in 2013. At that level, on a per game basis, Alvin Kamara still holds a very very slight edge, even after the disappointing Week Five, uh, a little bit lower scoring week this past week. Obviously, Saints on the bye contributes to that. Also, some of the biggest games that we saw this week were from players who are probably not in your starting lineup. Uh, with that being the case, Colm, how do you see these two guys? Obviously, if you have Gurley, if you have Kamara, you are probably uh, winning your league or in the top three or four unless you've been devastated by injuries other positions can they keep up this pace in terms of their volume at this extremely high level
3: the one i'm interested to see is with uh, alvin kamara obviously the the bye week this past week and then they um you know the the performance and the change around that we've seen uh, on monday night football pre-bye for the saints with uh, mark ingram coming back but i still think that mark uh, alvin kamara is going to get his work i think it'll probably be a little bit similar to the workload last year uh, so, but I, I think as the season goes on, I think it would have been tough for him to continue to work on the in terms of the the work that he was getting. The player that I think there's there's no doubt in my mind that it's going to continue to go the way it's going. I can't really see how it slows down far far Todd Gurley based on how he's been playing. I've just been, you know. You, if, if he doesn't get nearly at the stage if he doesn't get at least one touchdown in the game it's a it's a disappointment if he doesn't keep getting close to uh, 150 scrimmage yards again it, it's just the 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 stats he's putting up are insane and you mentioned the priest Holmes and jamal charles that 2013 season by jamal charles since my time uh playing fantasy football i know priest Holmes was in 2002 that was a little bit before i had dipped my toes in the water but jamal charles's 2013 season still stands out to me as one of the the all-time seasons uh, in terms of fantasy football so if you have those two guys and you're not you know at least in the top three in your league you you did something wrong when you were drafting the rest of your uh, roster so um, I, I just think that rest of season uh, I think Garley continues to do what he's doing we may see a little bit of a, a regression from Kamara I think that was to be expected but uh, you know I, I still think that Garley uh, leads the way rest of season in terms of those two um, I, i've just been blown away by his production another player that i've been uh, blown away by the production this season and I, i've never really been a massive fan of his uh, and that's melvin garden but this season has uh, proven uh, something to me that i, I just wasn't fully expecting from him uh, in terms of the tree r- rushing t- or the tree touchdown game he had this week um he's the most efficient in terms of pure running backs in 2018 when you don't take in the, the pass catch inside of it but if he can keep it up, 20, 2018 will be the first season that he's finished with a positive Russian efficiency. I mentioned I haven't been a biggest fan of his. Most of that has been down to his efficiency over the last couple of years or the lack thereof so uh, he he's really really impressed me and uh you know i have him now on, on a completely different level and pedestal than where i had him in terms of his tears pre-season uh, you know a lot of the time he was going in that late first round early second round i think if we were drafting now we would have him uh, pushed up closer to that probably top seven in my opinion um, has your have you been a fan in terms of gordon in the past and uh what have your expectations been on him uh, so far this season how how have you seen him doing
2: well Gordon is fantastic and he he was the player we recommended most strongly for your zero running back breakout candidate two years ago so it was exciting to see him do that obviously the offense didn't exactly take a step back but didn't take the step forward in 2017 that many of us were hoping for but we are now seeing that this year in a big big way and you mentioned that Gordon leads the running back position in points over expectation as a rusher, his teammate, Austin Eckler leads all running backs in receiving fantasy points over expectation. So these two guys have formed a dynamic duo. The offense is really firing on all cylinders with these two players. And I think that one of the things that you are seeing, and certainly you see it with Todd Gurley in the Rams, but we're also seeing it this year with the chargers is just how different The situation is when your overall offense creates uh, this ability to get out in space and this dynamic ability to attack the defense instead of the other way around. We're now seeing Gordon be able to get to the edges, to get to the second level without having to beat two, three, four guys in the backfield. And that just makes all the difference in the world. I mean, he looked fantastic against the browns and was slashing through the defense uh, making moves accelerating uh, just like he did at wisconsin and in a way that you don't expect to see running backs of this size do i mean he he looks like a little back in a bigger or medium sized backs body and and just really looks unstoppable you contrast this to where we are now with david johnson where the problem that todd Gurley was having back with jeff fisher in 2016 the problem that melvin gordon has had up to this point in his career we're now seeing that with david johnson where he has to be two three four guys uh, before he even gets to line of scrimmage and even when you're someone like david johnson or Earlier, or Gordon in the past that's a very difficult uh, situation to have to deal with
3: yeah and it's always interesting to see that and it'll be interesting to see uh, how Johnson goes uh, moving forward and we'll be talking a little bit about the Cardinals later on in the show but it's interesting as well you know we we seen two years ago the situation in Atlanta with Coleman and Freeman and uh, just before we started recording the show Freeman Uh, has gone on to injured reserve so uh, him and Ido Ido Smith and Tevin Coleman should uh, split the backfield there rest of season but we had that situation with uh, Shanahan there as the offensive coordinator then last year we had the situation with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara and we may have a similar situation now with them again but this year we have uh, Garden and Eckler and yet you see the other running backs like uh, Garley who is just you know dominating all of the work there and then obviously Le'Veon Bell's done that in the past and now this year James Conner's doing that without Le'Veon Bell there but it's always interesting then to see how a team can make those two running backs work in terms of that split and still be as efficient and as productive as they are. So uh, it's uh, there's, there seems to be over the last couple of years always one team that stands out, but the Chargers are definitely the team that is standing out in that way at the moment. And when we look then, a player who, Again, uh, I wasn't talking up too much uh, in the preseason. I was looking a lot more at Rex Burkhead and uh, James White, but uh, the Patriots have found something going in the last uh, couple of weeks with Sonny Michelle. He missed Week One. He played only thirteen snaps in Week Two, but he has become a top five running back in terms of rushing expected points. Uh, he had. In the last three weeks, he has rushed for 98 yards and a touchdown in each of the last three games. So, you know, he, he's starting to, to pick up a little bit. I wasn't expecting it, uh, you know, to, to be this way. I wasn't expecting the Patriots to go as run heavy as they did uh, against the Chiefs. You know, I, I was impressed with the run game against the Chiefs. What are what your thoughts now on Michelle? Have they changed from the opinion in the preseason or even uh, after those first two weeks where it hadn't really seen a lot of them? Uh, Michelle, rest of season, do you think, this is more of what we're going to see going forward?
2: I think so. And, and this offense looks like it's back to functioning the way we expected. Now, it, it may not be as potent as it has been uh, some years in the past. Certainly the Chiefs defense uh, is the flip side of their offense where it, it's about as bad as you can be. And so in, in this particular week, they the Patriots kicked five field goals and yet still had plenty of touchdowns left for Michelle. This is an interesting backfield because it's similar to some of the other ones you mentioned, although the split is even more severe in terms of Michelle with the rushing value, James White putting up big numbers as a passing back. And because of the way this offense functions, I think both of those guys are going to have plenty of value going forward. Michelle, without the receptions, uh, he is dependent on those touchdowns, but if there's any offense in the league, and we saw this a couple years ago with LeGarrette Blunt, who I think is a below replacement level player. Uh, when you see a player like that, put up that many touchdowns it certainly makes you feel more comfortable about michelle who is much more talented
3: yeah and you mentioned the chiefs defense i thought watching this game you know i was going up against uh patrick mahomes in a couple of leagues and after the first kind of two quarters i was thinking oh this isn't too bad but then obviously they really exploded into life particularly in the end of that third quarter start of the fourth quarter uh where i believe hill had his three touchdowns after i think two minutes remaining in the third quarter so I know you mentioned the Chiefs but the Patriots also I think have uh, large problems in defense but I think these two teams kind of symbolize what a lot of teams are deciding for the 2018 NFL season and possibly moving forward with the kind of rule changes we're just going to go all out and see how many points we can score like we've seen so many games this season where we've had those high high, high points totals and uh, do you think this is just kind of a, a shape of things to come moving forward where we see likely defenses continue to decline and offenses continue to, to put up these sort of points.
2: We're going to see big scores. I don't know that it's necessarily that the defense is on the way, and I think that some of the rule changes will balance out. I, what you're seeing with the Chiefs is simply this huge split where you have an offense that could be historically good and a defense that could be historically (laughs) bad. So you're talking about uh, a team that's similar to some of those Saints teams of recent vintage with Drew Brees and a horrible defense, except the Chiefs might be even more extreme in both directions. And that's going to create some very strange games on their side. In many ways, I think both defenses accomplished what they wanted in this one in that they played bend but don't break on a number of possessions. Uh, due to the quick scores, the game actually featured a lot of possessions. Uh, I think if you have a slower pace, certainly the teams are going to be happy about how many field goals they forced, which in the current NFL, that's that's a big deal. I mean, you saw even last night in another high-scoring game that the teams had to sell for field goals in numerous situations where touchdowns would would have made a big difference in that game. So I think as teams sit back, They try and protect against the big score. They try and force field goals. You're going to see a little bit more up and down the field. But we saw some contrast to that, too, where the Washington Carolina game, for example, featured a relatively low score and very few possessions. And that had uh, certainly uh, some negative and, and perhaps, depending on who you're playing, catastrophic effects for some of their fantasy players. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah that, that that certainly was true and you did you did touch on a good point there with the this game with the high amount of possessions i mentioned like after those first two quarters it was looking like you know the the patriots were stopping the chiefs the you know inside the 20 yard line or inside the 30 yard line and settling for uh field goals so nearly at this point uh, you know that that's seen as a success and uh, with the scoring in this game um it, it was very very interesting to see how both teams were able to do in that situation so today's show is brought to you by my bookie. I know watching the games is fun and it is uh, I think it's always a, a lot lot more fun when you have a little bit riding on the action whether it's DFS uh, action or whether it's uh, with uh, a little bit of money on the line as well. You've heard us talking about my bookie over the last couple of weeks on the show and some of you are still sitting on the sidelines so I think it's time to get in the action whether you're an expert or a rookie you should be playing at my bookie. And uh, if you're the kind of guy that likes a little bit, likes to bet a little bit and win a lot, uh, you know, I think I think this is exactly for you. You can pick a couple of teams to win, and uh, if you hit them, you can turn some lower-end money into high-end dollars. And uh, it always helps uh, bring that smile to your face at the end of the weekend. And I know some of our fantasy seasons may be coming to an end at this point. It may not be looking good, so it's another way to make those games a little bit more fascinating as we move forward here my has been in business for years they've got great online reviews and their mobile site is easy to use i think it's uh as i mentioned if you're on the sidelines it's time to jump in my will still match your first deposit dollar for dollar but if you're going to join i think it's about time to do it now because i know from behind the scenes from talking to the guys over at my the offer is just available for a limited time left so log on to my bookie right now and double your money use the promo code rotoviz and you'll get your first deposit matched up to a hundred percent that's the promo code rotoviz you play you win you get paid So jumping into the third quarter now, Sean, and uh, I know we talked about it a little bit over the last couple of weeks, and it's Christian Kirk, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the rookies here now for a few moments. Uh, The other rookie involved here is Josh Rosen. His connection with Christian Kirk offers a glimpse at a possible bright future for the Arizona Cardinals. Obviously, David Johnson's there, too, with the long-term contract. So, you know, things can turn around sometimes very swiftly in the NFL but at the moment, it hasn't been all that bright in terms of wins. But I, I've been very impressed with Christian Kirk over the last couple of weeks. He caught six of seven targets for seventy-seven yards this past week, and looks to be uh, cementing himself at the moment as the number one option there in Arizona. Larry Fitzgerald has been banged up, but uh, you know Christian Kirk has still been leading the way, even with Fitzgerald there. I think he is starting to lead the way as a you know even even at the moment in redraft leagues there's definitely a possibility to play him as value has certainly surged in terms of dynasty leagues as well what have you thought of this uh, rookie class so far through six weeks uh, there's been quite a few of them who have stood out uh, to me
2: yeah this this class is undervalued right and they may not have a superstar at the level of a julio jones type of player on the other hand you know we didn't see antonio brown emerge until a few years down the line Adam Thielen currently looks like the best receiver in the NFL and people know his story. Spent
3: a year on his practice
2: squad. Exactly. So you you look at what some of these guys are doing and and it's pretty exciting. Kirk now leads this class in receptions 25. Uh, He's near the top of the list just behind Calvin Ridley in yards. We've got a good group here who already are beating their expectations. So they have positive numbers and fantasy points over expectation and the the, the big guys who jump out obviously Calvin Ridley uh, has doubled up the number of points he would have been expected to score based on the value of his target so number one that's exciting number two obviously you wouldn't expect that to continue especially if there's any injury concern there but also with big numbers Traquan Smith with those two long touchdowns uh, last time the Saints played Christian Kirk at plus fifteen, DJ Moore, uh, even with some of the blips that he's gone through, is at plus eleven. So those are exciting numbers from this class, and it sort of offers an interesting contrast to Antonio Callaway, who actually leads the class in expected points with sixty-seven, also leads by a good margin in targets, but is sitting on a negative 27 as one of one of the worst catchers of the football that I've ever seen
3: yeah it's it's not good you know 39 targets for 15 receptions it doesn't matter what way you look at it it's uh, it's just not a a good return so far but maybe things will pick up but i that long touchdown catch uh, against the Saints it has not looked pretty for antonio calloway uh, a couple of them that have really stood out to me you mentioned ridley uh, christian cork as well i i just think there's a lot to like in this class because you know true six weeks we usually look at maybe a couple of receivers that we're looking at but you know there is only six weeks gone in the season and these guys have put up some pretty uh, decent numbers overall uh based on what they've done and uh, watching the packers last night i thought that uh uh, vantes scantling uh looked pretty pretty good over the last couple of weeks He's caught a couple of touchdowns as well he's not included on this list but there's a lot of positivity uh with this young class so far so it's uh, going to be interesting to see then how it moves forward but it's it's like you know and in, in drafts we always look at we kind of touch on it more so with the second year players uh earlier in the offseason but with rookies we often see the ro- ro- rookie running backs pushed up you know pushed up those draft boards come closer to the season but it's something that doesn't happen all that much with uh, the the rookie wide receivers and obviously that tends to lead to a lot of value opportunities but it's never really too late to start getting on board like there's a lot of these guys that are still out there and available in terms of uh, waiver wires and that and you know you mentioned uh Traquan smith who we were talking about earlier in the off season too. and you know has a, had a limited uh sample to go by but he's had seven targets for receptions 129 yards two touchdowns so you know there, there's something there that going forward especially playing on an offense with drew Brees, that uh you know could, could lead to some very positive points down the the rest of the way but with these who would you be targeting now uh, you know rest of season who is there anything that you're expecting to uh, you know surge from this point forward that can really leap out ahead of the crowd
2: well one thing I wanted to mention here is that Blair had an awesome article in his wrong read series it's the wrong read number 49 and he talks about how the efficiency of For rookies tends to carry over into their second third season so specifically rookie wide receivers and i like these guys who have been efficient in the early going especially as it fits with our sort of direction that we gave before the season so guys who broke out early in college uh declared early drafted relatively early so kirk ridley dj moore those guys i think are locks traquan smith Uh, we haven't really seen the volume there obviously when you have four receptions and and two of them have gone for long touchdowns then then there's reason for excitement but also perhaps a little bit of skepticism Uh, Valdez Scantling falls into a little bit of a different category uh, but as the guy out of that trio of receivers who looks like He currently has the lead and with Aaron Rodgers still there, obviously, and and looking to be there for a long time. I think if you can get a young player attached to to that level of quarterback, then it gives you a lot of of built-in cushion. So, This is a good time to be putting out feelers, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that you'd be able to get all of these players, but if you can pry free a Traquan Smith or a Valdez Scantling, then you definitely want to do that. Kirk and and Moore and Ridley are going to be fairly expensive at this point. However, you're going to find some people who are looking to sell high already as well, and, and when you have those chances, definitely
3: yeah and obviously we touched on calloway and him you know the lack of efficiency there from his perspective um i think we're all we're in you know with sutton kirk ridley uh kiki kuti uh, i think we're pretty much on, on board with them the other guys though that are standing and remaining from this list that i'm not all that sure about so far is uh, michael Gallup, anthony miller uh and i think dj Moore. even though he had the fumble issues last week i'm pretty confident in him long term out of Gallup and Miller, is there concerns for you with what they've done so far? I haven't been all that overly impressed with what, I, what I've seen.
2: Well, Miller is in a, a tricky situation where you have that offense that is spreading the looks around. Obviously, Gabriel getting a surprising amount of volume in that offense. The the issue with, with Gallup and, and some of those players with the Cowboys, despite their absolute di- dismantling of the Jaguars, is just what the caliber... that offense will be long term the other one who's interesting is Cortland sutton who currently is at negative 7.8 fantasy points over expectation uh, but is third here in targets Uh, he also like callaway is below 50 percent in catch rate which is a little bit of a red flag and and certainly the situation in denver uh, case keenum not performing to the level they were hoping even though emmanuel sutton has definitely bounced back so with Sutton you, you have to make a bet on what you think the future of the Broncos will be and certainly their quarterback and coach situation uh very tenuous at this point
3: yeah I think you you mentioned Emmanuel Sutton I think you, you meant Emmanuel Sanders but uh, he, he had a big uh, performance this past week and I've been impressed with how he's bounced back because obviously as an agent wide receiver I thought he could be somebody who could be past that tipping point you know and, and may not have things picking up for him but Uh, he he has looked very very good but with with the situation you mentioned there with the quarterback I guess when we're on it do you think uh, you know is it I know that I know when uh, Case Keenan went out on uh, Sunday uh, he went out to get tested for concussion and the the crowd kind of had a a warm round of applause uh, for Kelly coming in as the backup quarterback and then obviously they had to change back because he he passed the concussion protocol but do you think making that switch would uh, help Uh, you know I think sometimes fans can Uh, you know have the think of the the glass being fuller with changing it over but with a a quarterback uh, and Kelly who has has done some things in college do you think there's an opportunity for the team to be better with him in there do you think it's gonna it's gonna be a a dip either way
2: I have a hard time weighing in in an unbiased fashion on the Broncos as as such a big Chiefs fan (laughs) you mentioned Sanders and It's entertaining, I think, to see him have that catch early in the game and then go off as though, you know, he's Antonio Brown or Randy Moss, like one of the greatest receivers in NFL history. And then, um, A few seconds later, you realize, oh, you were actually down at the one yard line, and your completely unnecessary taunting has now pushed your team back out to the 16 and essentially taken away maybe this one chance to be competitive in this game where you're going to get blown out. Uh, I find that humorous, obviously. If you are a Sanders owner, losing that touchdown is big. If you're a Broncos fan, that meltdown there uh, reminds you too much of of players you don't want to emulate like odell beckham perhaps this team just seems like they're on the verge of having uh, new york giants problems or pittsburgh steelers problems and and one of the things that we see with those teams is that if you're as talented as the steelers you can get away with it if you're as talented as the giants it's only one more thing that sends your ceiling your season spiraling downward the Broncos are currently in the situation where they, they do have some talent, but guys like Sanders need to perform and keep the theatrics to the side. Guys like Demarius Thomas need to catch the ball. I'm a huge Thomas fan. I think if he had, uh, if Case Keenum had hit him for the touchdown a couple of weeks ago when they, they had the Chiefs actually on the ropes uh, and potentially beaten there, that's a play where the quarterback has to make it. A lot of the other types of things really seem like coaching issues and team chemistry issues to where I think Case Keenum is suffering from perhaps not being in the best situation himself, you know, playing for these Broncos.
3: Yeah. I think uh, like you mentioned, I think a lot of it's coming down to what we've seen with coaching. So, um, you know, I I, I, bit like when uh, the Bears uh, lost to to Brock Osweiler this past week, Uh, I think I I know the feeling that you had. Uh, with that one but uh, something that really bothers me in the NFL is taunting penalties like it, it never ends up good it's a 15-yard penalty it's always going to hurt your team just you know you've already won the battle just walk away but uh, you know especially the ones when you know they stand over the player that uh, really really uh, gets on my nerves uh, even if it's not on a, a team I support just a, a really really poor uh, show of uh, discipline when it, when it happens but uh, I guess that's enough of that and uh, let's Let's jump into the fourth quarter.
2: Yeah, and here in the fourth quarter, we are going to mention Tyler Boyd again. Fans of the show will know that we have done that several times this year as Boyd is one of our top sleeper picks, but it's hard to ignore him after a game where he scored two more touchdowns and moves himself up to wide receiver 11 on the season his 2018 breakout has occurred with a balanced portfolio that includes top 15 rankings in targets with 52 receptions 37 yards 455 he's not quite in the top 15 for expected points but he is also one of those very efficient receivers with 24 points over expectation which is the 10th best mark so when you see that kind of balanced portfolio it gives you confidence that this is not a fluke not necessarily that he'll keep it up at this rate but i don't think we need to worry that there's any sort of uh, big crater that's coming we've talked in the past that his uh, closest comps according to the box score scout were randall cobb stefan diggs and antonio brown perhaps he reminds even more of keenan allen he's not quite the same size but they have some similarities to their game in terms of this sort of gliding receiver who gets open at will, despite perhaps not having the very top end speed. And he's actually outscoring Keenan Allen so far this season. So Colin, who do you see him comparing to? Uh, do you like his chances to actually outscore AJ green? He's within a few points now. Uh, he's got this wonderful chemistry with Andy Dalton, uh, Bengals beaten at the end this week but looking very good is this Dalton to to Green and Boyd connection is that going to allow Dalton to post big numbers and the Bengals to continue their playoff push
3: yeah I I thought this past week that you know I kind of had a situation where I thought the Bengals would really take care of the Steelers and obviously we know what happened at the very end with the Antonio Brown uh, touchdown to change things there but uh, I I thought this team underperformed this past week even though you've already mentioned with Tyler Boyd what he did I, didn't, I thought AJ Green it could have been a lot better, I thought Joe Mixon could have been better and obviously we touched a couple of weeks ago on the Tyler Eifert injury, I think that is something that is going to, moving forward, help Boyd get open up for more targets in this offence. I think uh, you mentioned Keenan Allen and I think it's a very, very fitting uh, kind of a comparison. He isn't somebody who's... You know the fastest, but he, I I would kind of call him almost like a, a technician. You know, in terms of his ability to separate and to get open, and even on his touchdown, I think it was the second touchdown this past week. Like, it looked like a really poor play from the cornerback, but it was kind of more I thought where Boyd showed him that he was going to go, and then where the route ended up going. Uh, I thought that he you know came in and out of his break extremely well there. If you look at it in terms of his uh, targets and his receptions over the course of the season so far it is really balanced across the board in terms of you know left side of the field right side of the field are on the deep left deep right and then short over the middle the place he hasn't getting uh, many targets is deep middle but in terms of what he's done with those targets then it's been it's been really really positive to see i, I expected them to have a solid season i was expecting him to be you know, possibly sneaking into the the wide receiver tree bracket, but I think our evaluation has to have changed at this point. And I think at this stage, you know, if he's if he's not in the that top twenty four or just outside of it, I think it would end up being a disappointing season from this point forward, based on what we've seen so far catching AJ Green I don't think that's going to happen I still think AJ as the season goes on will put up the touchdown numbers to keep him uh, a little bit ahead of, of Tyler Boyd and I think in terms of deep play threat in terms of the big play threat I think AJ will always have that uh, over Tyler Boyd as well so I think though uh, you know where where we thought Sean uh, this offseason Uh, when you know we were able to pretty much get him for for free everywhere Uh, I think um, he he is well for me anyway I don't know I'll let you answer the question he's he's exceeded my expectations at this point going forward what is your final call on Tyler Boyd from this point Uh, what would be a disappointment uh, from this point forward I mentioned the top 24 Uh, what would your expectations be
2: I think if he falls out of the top 20 at this point, you would have to be disappointed. The situation there that you mentioned with Tyler Eifert being out and yet the defense really having to still focus on A.J. Green, really still have to focus on Joe Mixon in the running game. it, It creates this dynamic where there's a volume there for Boyd and it's difficult for the defense to really focus on him it's it's similar i think to what juju smith schuster has with the steelers where the defense has to focus on the running game and has to focus on antonio brown and yet the volume is there because there are not a lot of other guys now then big ben uses the tight ends a little bit more but they haven't really gotten anything from james washington so this is the perfect situation for your fantasy receiver to have a high floor for the volume and yet really not let the defense uh, be able to focus in on that player, so I think he's going going to continue. This isn't a surprise based on what we've seen from Boyd in every year except for 2017 right He was one of the best prospects that we've seen as a college wide receiver and because of his size speed profile and because 2017 was so bad, people tend to forget that a little bit that he really was just an absolutely fantastic prospect. Had a solid rookie season and now has really come into his own. So I don't I don't expect him to drop off at all from this point.
3: And uh, I guess we'll go to a couple more wide receivers now as we move along. The next one up is Julio Jones, whose uh, touchdown number for the season remains at zero uh, on the 2018 season. But if you look at what he's doing, I, I know a lot we made of the touchdowns, and it is. You know, it's becoming a, a definitely a trend at this stage in terms of the lack of touchdowns over the, the last couple of seasons but uh, it's one of the the top streaks i think in terms of uh you know nfl history anyway in terms of wide receiver production uh he's finished uh, the week's second receptions 10 receptions second in yards 143 uh but only eighth in points with 24.3 but in terms of when he's having what you'd be classed people people who own him would be saying it's probably a disappointing week, and they will be talking about the touchdowns. But what he's actually doing in terms of a a wide receiver from a yards point of view is really, really highly, highly impressive. Uh, but the problem, you know, last week you you touched on it earlier with Calvin Ridley and the injury that he picked up. Mohamed Sanu left the game early. Maybe we'd think that that would lead a way for him to uh, get in there and, and get a touchdown. But the regular uh, season touchdownless streak is now eleven games. So, what's your thoughts uh, moving forward? Uh, Matt Ryan now is on 18 touchdown passes since uh, Jones last found the end zone. I think, in terms of uh, wide receivers and his ability, his talent, there's pretty much maybe two to three players I would take over Julio Jones if I was starting a franchise. But, uh, you know, it, it is amazing the way that it just continues that he can't get into the end zone for the Atlanta Falcons.
2: And this we really have to blame on Steve Sarkeesian. And the Falcons create this very strange dynamic because they are scoring points, right? And so as an offensive coordinator, you're out Is that, you know, what do you want me to do? I mean, we're scoring, we're moving the ball, all of those kinds of things. But the Falcons are really sort of the Chiefs except not in that their offense is doing a lot of empty scoring, a lot of empty yardage. And one of the reasons why fantasy owners... We're still focused on Jones. We're still focused on Matt Ryan. We're still focused on some of these running backs coming into the season. Is not only that those guys are big talents, which they obviously are, but the Falcons have this fantastically easy schedule that includes games like week six, <laughs> games where they're going to be playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are so bad defensively that they just had to fire their defensive coordinator, right? So, uh, you know, you can blame it a little bit on the running backs. Tevin Coleman uh, has not had a fantastic season in his own right but ito smith also struggled in this one and when you're playing this caliber of defense when you have players with the kinds of track record that these guys have you know you, you've got to get julio jones the ball in the red zone you've got to have running plays to where tevin coleman can gash that opponent for the big play you know free things up a little bit more for Edo smith so you know the falcons are having a disappointing season and even though they're moving the ball I think you've got to be even more dynamic and really put your team in the position to win based on your offense like we're seeing from Kansas City
3: Uh, with that uh, this past week Jarvis Landry who is somebody we were talking about uh, in the uh, off season, you know we were, we were pretty high on him uh, kind of third fourth round range uh, and in terms of this past get a two catch 11 yard day on nine targets he is the least efficient player in the nfl at the moment uh, obviously we touched on antonio calloway uh, earlier on in the show but uh you know in terms of what's happening at the moment with landry and Callaway, and both of them been so disappointing. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, uh, they do have one of the easier wide receiver schedules, and the NFL with Tampa Bay coming up, and Kansas City, and then Pittsburgh's in between that, which is a little bit tougher. But we both talked up the possibility with Landry earlier in the offseason. You know, I was kind of a little bit uh, hoping that we would see Baker Mayfield in there uh, because I thought it would be a better link up for Landry than what we would see with. Uh, tyrod taylor but when we look at it with landry now and how disappointing it's been what are your thoughts moving forward on landry rest of season um you know what what has gone wrong for him after how positive we thought things were
2: starting off at the start of the season yeah this is just a crazy one right because you you follow the games and, and probably unless you are a cleveland browns hometown fan this is not the first game you're watching on sunday so you're following the bottom line and you're, you're watching the crawl and you see that Damian Ratley is, is getting some volume. You're seeing that David Njoku uh, has scored a touchdown, is getting some volume. At the very end of the game, <laughs> they deigned to put up the uh, Jarvis-Landry line with, with two catches for basically no yards. And you're thinking, well, maybe he got hurt, right? Or maybe once they got blown out, They put him on the bench to protect, you know, one of the few arguable playmakers they have. And then you go watch the game and you realize that's not the case, right? If anything, it was worse than what the most superficial numbers suggest. When you're looking at Landry and Callaway, you're talking four total catches on 19 targets, Right, and there's plenty of blame to go around here. Where you know you watch Landry, uh, you know he's getting targets at his feet, targets over his head, targets three yards behind him. Um, you watch Callaway, and I mean I'm I'm again biased on this, um, but Callaway is getting targets that he drops, targets that he bats down, targets that he refuses to put his arms up for. And, and so, if if you are Baker Mayfield then you know you've got to be wondering you know what you have to do if you're Jarvis Landry you're wondering the same thing and then you know you start to get to the end of the game and people are so frustrated and Jarvis Landry starts trying to make one-handed catches when really the ball is basically to him and that's not a great a great situation obviously and one of the things you can do with the RotoViz tools kind of fun to look at I think emphasizes a big concern that you have for the Browns you pull up the AYA app and you look at the adjusted yards per attempt for Mayfield to his different receivers and you see Rashard Higgins obviously with the injury uh, is at over 11 right Duke Johnson the (laughs) the Browns decided that they might go ahead and let Duke Johnson play a couple of snaps this week and he went over 100 yards on six touches so You know, maybe that would be a guy to play when your offense is this bad, someone who has the track record of a Duke Johnson. But Duke Johnson is over 10. Damian Ratley, their sixth-round pick, uh, which was a little bit of a a surprise pick out of Texas A&M, he's over 10. So you've got some guys who are performing. Unfortunately, uh, 14 targets is the high watermark for those three guys. So that's, that's on relatively minimal volume. Then you go in a little bit deeper, and you look at the core players. And Njoku, 32 targets, but only 5.8 AYA. Landry is even worse, 38 targets, 4.7, right? So you're you're getting 4.7 adjusted yards per attempt when Mayfield throws to him. And then you look at Hyde and Callaway. Hyde's at 2.8, only five targets there. Thankfully, they're they're not throwing to him even more. Callaway is basically a zero, right, on 29 targets. So within this group you're seeing him really struggle with the guys he needs to be his playmakers and until they can get that rectified you know it's going to be a long season we had that first game that first half when Mayfield comes in rallies the team to victory and you're thinking okay number one overall pick superstar at Oklahoma maybe he can do what Deshaun Watson did for the Texans last year and it it, it just hasn't happened and and this certainly i think was a low watermark perhaps the browns could send a message to the team that production matters and that winning matters by doing things like playing duke johnson right doing something like putting in nick chubb who every time he touches the ball just you know he looks like he shot up a cannon and then it's right back to carlos hyde running into the line and falling down so this team is just sending a lot of mixed messages. And I think until you have more playmakers, but also you play the playmakers you do have, then I think it's going to be frustrating.
3: Yeah. There's a lot of things to question with the Browns, but then I always think back to the fact that uh, Hugh Jackson is the head coach. And then I, try to stop thinking about what they're trying to do because it is just bizarre and looking at the you know the the graph in terms of the the wide receiver uh targets and the adjusted yards per attempt attempts i don't know if i've ever seen anything as uh unusual it's basically a zero there for antonio callaway so it's it's really really not good from that perspective but that's enough about the cleveland browns let's uh jump jump into overtime
2: In overtime, we were going to look at these top scorers on the bench. Colin, my question for you, did you have the guts to play Albert Wilson with Brock Osweiler, get that 33 in there? Or maybe Cole Beasley, you had just this premonition that the Cowboys were going to go out and just tear the Jaguars apart. Or maybe that Tyrell Williams was going to pick this week to stop dropping all those perfect long passes from Phillip Rivers. And score 27 these guys were all in the top six did you have any of them in your lineups
3: I have to say that uh, I did actually have uh, Wilson and I think three different lineups just based on the buys and injuries he was somebody that I had to put in and you know I, I didn't really have an option it wasn't that I was picking one over the other but I, I did have uh, Albert Wilson in a few lineups so that really uh, did help me but unfortunately as I mentioned it didn't go all that way for me but I do have him in a lot of baseball teams which obviously really helped in that situation uh, Cole Beasley is somebody who this time last year like you know off season heading into 2017 uh, i was uh you know drafting him in as many leagues as i could because of the situation there and he had shown the previous two years to you know to be kind of that uh guess we'll call it wes welker type slot receiver getting those short you know a ppr machine last year then was a very disappointing year for him but the a big big performance this year and he is by far at the moment the best wide receiver in terms of production for the dallas cowboys so uh you know while it was just uh it wasn't one i seen coming against the jaguars and uh, that that was really i think an outlier i think both those teams if you look at uh they need to have the lead they need to be out in front and when they are out in front they're very good at that role but they're like like we see with the cowboys in a couple of games and like we've seen this week with the jaguars when they fall behind that is not the formula for them to have success and i think uh, that that was a very concerning loss for the jaguars this past week after losing uh, the week previous as well so it'll be an interesting test of character to see how they bounce back because i think the jaguars do believe they are a, a super bowl contender uh, and when you know when you get to the playoffs you're likely at some point to fall behind and they, they need to be better in terms of coming back terrell williams uh you know we, we still can't get Keaton Allen to, to get those TDs, so we're, we're going to have to see where else they can get them from on the Chargers. But did you uh, start of them? I know Wilson was another one of our kind of flyers in the offseason, um, and now he is uh, wide receiver 24 on the year so far.
2: Yeah, that's fantastic for him. Uh, even as a Chiefs fan, sorry to to see him go, but very excited for his success. He was someone we profiled when we talked about the fact that fifth-year wide receivers when they've changed teams and they move to a situation where the team that signed them obviously wants them. Perhaps the opportunity gets a little bit better. And with this Dolphins team, there's there's nothing standing in his way at this point with Devontae Parker uh, really close to being out of the NFL, it seems like. Uh, you wouldn't necessarily have expected the big breakout game with Osweiler there that's really been the thing that I think that limited him for me is that Ryan Tannehill is not the quarterback you want to have your receivers attached to uh, so I don't have the the heavy Wilson ownership and Tyrell Williams I definitely still have um, some serious ownership for him in dynasty leagues he, he's one of those fellows who after the excellent 2016 season certainly looked like a buy and and he's got these games in in his bag i mean he he can pull them out from time to time and it would be great for him certainly for philip rivers owners i think and then fans of the chargers if he can do this a little bit more often because when you're trying to to deal with those backs whom we talked about earlier when you're trying to deal with keenan allen and then even though he's been quiet now for about for almost a, a full month mike williams has also impressed this offense I mean, it's it's one of the most dynamic in the NFL, and if he plays like that. The Chargers are absolutely unstoppable.
3: Yeah, and I I like I find as some seasons go on. I know you're a Chiefs fan. I'm a Packers fan, but there is some teams that. You kind of fall into, uh, you know, I, I would like to see that team do well this week. You know, I'd like to see how how they go. And I've always liked Philip Rivers. Uh, I would be interested to see how far the Chargers can take it. And the AFC, obviously, being in the, the same division as the Chiefs, that may not be something you want to see. But it's it's always interesting how some of these things happen as the season progresses, uh, And you, you kind of fall into uh, checking out some other teams as, as their performances come along. I think it's probably part of being a, a fantasy football fan. Uh, as well but uh with that uh, sean we're getting closer to the end of the show but as we wrap things up i just want to give a quick shout out to the patreon page and anyone that has watched in on Road of His live so far hopefully you've been enjoying watching in you can support the Road of his Radio Network and the ten shows that we do per week on Patreon by doing so, you'll gain exclusive access to Road of his Live, our weekly Sunday morning video show answering all your fantasy football questions. Patreonships start from just six dollars a month and provide you with that exclusive access, as I mentioned, to Road of his Live, at four shows per month, and then of course the forty podcasts a week that we do for free as well. Become a Road of his Radio Patron today and join the community of listeners, access that premium content, and do your part in helping the network grow and continue to produce high quality industry leading content you can also grab yourself that 30 percent discount to a rotavis nfl pass right now that is through the nfl podcast homepage rotavis.com forward slash podcast the season is ticking along nicely but uh there's still time to use those great tools and get the great content up there each and every day uh like sean has mentioned with uh, Blair's great work, Dave Cabin's phenomenal work, Sean himself with great content up there. There's just so much stuff going up on a daily basis. So get over there, check that out. That is roomofis.com forward slash podcast. And that is going to get us to the end.
2: And we just reduced the prices for the rest of season content as well. So if you take that reduced price, you take your podcast discount, you're going to get a fantastic amount of content the rest of the way for a very limited amount of money. So I definitely encourage uh, listeners who might be on the fence, who might think, well, you know, we're part of the way through the season at this point. Do I really want to jump in now? This is the perfect time. You get a lot for a little when you sign up through the podcast
3: yeah and uh, you know as the season goes on we're, there's always dynasty content up there but we're diving into kind of under the radar players and they can be the perfect guys to start looking ahead who's efficient that's really under the radar that you can stash in those rosters heading and even to next year you can you can never look uh, ahead too early to those sort of things depending on how your teams are doing but uh it's uh it's been a lot of fun sean i didn't mention at the top of the show in case it brought us some bad luck but this was episode 13 of rotoviz overtime so i think we've uh we've got we've got past that one that's unlucky for some
2: we have and and just you know encouraging our listeners again uh and saying good luck to you as you move into week seven Uh, a lot of us are in a lot of different leagues but for those of you who are six and oh five and one four and two good luck the rest of the way as you start to make your playoff push now and for anyone who is one in five oh and six uh hopefully you're in a league where perhaps six of the 12 teams make the playoffs you still have that path to the postseason but but don't give up especially if, if total points come into play um you know just a uh, quick mention that one of my best teams ever finished four and eight but with a couple of 200-point weeks down the stretch, uh, was able to, to make the playoffs there. So depending on your format, definitely keep trying. You don't want to give up at this point, and hopefully you have plenty of Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill on your team, either that or the Minnesota Vikings, because they've been a lot of fun to watch so far.
3: Yeah, I thought you were going to say for anyone that's 0-6 out there, uh, thanks for continuing to listen to the show as, as it's gone on. But uh, if you're 0-6, you can always, as I mentioned, get ready for 2019. But there is, there is, like Sean mentioned, some of those leagues that go based on the, the point system, and uh, that is something to always be aware of. But it, it's, been a, it's been a lot of fun uh, as the seasons progress, Sean, doing the show here with you, and uh, we'll be back next week as we look ahead next week to week eight. Uh, almost halfway through the actual NFL season and we're starting to really talk about the playoff post from that point forward for our fantasy teams so uh for all you who have tuned in this week much much appreciated i mentioned last week as well that uh, with the transition we will now be available on uh, different platforms like spotify and iHeartRadio radio to go along with a uh, stitcher like we've currently been with or itunes all the different ways but a lot of people have been looking for spotify and the, and the other ways so that is uh, the reason that there has been a little bit of a delay with the main feed up on itunes but that should be up and running as you get this week's podcast coming through. so thanks again for your patience on that and until we're back with another one my name's colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over ireland my co-host is sean siegel who you can follow at ff contrarian and until we're back with another one have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Roto-Biz Radio. Please rate and review the roto Radio podcast on iTunes, your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at roto at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at roto Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Roto-Biz at 30% discount from the Radio homepage, roto forward slash podcast.
0: Love a good deal? Sale into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from 19.99, polos from 16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop, and as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment.